0: This week on Dig Me Out, Tim and Jay Review, Dope Box by Jack Drag.
1: I love the sound of it.
2: It's not as dated as I was expecting it to be.
1: For me, the it falls down though um, in the songwriting.
2: And I kind of feel like that's the album in a nutshell. It's like it's schizophrenic. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I am your host, Tim Menichi, and joining me once again. Mr. Jason Ziak. Jason, we are back with another listener suggestion. Uh, This one is actually from someone that uh, has previously made a suggestion. And because they made a good suggestion, we'll take another suggestion from them. Actually, this is the third. This is uh, Mr. Sean Foster's third suggestion. He gave us a whole bunch of them. First one we did was Tuscadero, which didn't go over well. I don't think either of us really liked that record. So we gave him a second shot. We let him come on the show and stand up for an easy one. It was Hums, You'd Prefer an Astronaut. So since we hit that one all at the ballpark, we knew we were going to do that. It was kind of a gimme. Decided to go with one of uh, of Sean's other, more obscure picks. And we're reviewing the Jack Drag album, Dope Box, from 1998. Jay, were you familiar with Jack Drag before we reviewed this album, just in terms of the whole career.
1: Oh, no. Hell, hell's no.
2: Did the name even sound familiar?
1: Yeah, it sounded familiar. I was thinking they were like Imperial Drag or something.
2: Okay. Well, that was or wrong. super
1: Or Super Drag.
2: Super Drag, yeah. Or another nope. drag. It's some sort of drag. I guess that that's... Be- I didn't really think about it, but uh, there's a lot of drags. Jack Drag, Imperial Drag, Super Drag. If somebody had named their band Soul Drag, that might have that might have done well. (laughs) (laughs) With a number at the end, like Soul Drag (laughs) Five, that would have been a good. That would have been a good. uh, I wasn't, yeah. Soul Drag, Soul Drag Seven. That's a good. Has a good uh, alliteration there. Yeah, that's better. That's that's me, my fake '90s alternative <laughs> rock band, Soul Drag Seven. Yeah, for, uh, the first song of the album is "Pain."
1: Yeah. Second song is "Down."
2: Down. Close. Oh God! All right, we got to get out of this. Uh, so we're gonna do some uh, Jack Drag, and of course, we're gonna start it out with the history of the band.
0: History of the band.
2: So. Jack Drag is actually the alias of Boston-based musician Jack Dragnetti, and he re- released the first single as Jack Drag in 1994. It was called "Velour" and it was released on Somerville Records. The first full-length album was released in 1996 on Hepcat Records. It was all Jack. It uh, was all of uh, John Dragnetti playing everything. He added Joe Clumpus and Jason Sutter on drums. I, every time I read Clumpus, I thought of the Crumpus, which isn't, isn't that the name of the evil, like um, Christmas monster in the European tellings of Christmas stories? Am I am I totally off base on that?
1: I don't know what the hell you're talking about?
2: But it might be the I'm sure. drugs. I'm sorry. I don't mean to confuse Clumpus and Crumpus. Anyway, so he added Clumpus and Sutter, and they released in June of 1997, Unisex Headwave, also on Hepcat. They signed to A and Records, and in September of 1998, they released the album Dope Box, which is what we are reviewing in. What year? This June- 1998. So in June of 2000. Uh, Jack went back to releasing uh, albums all by himself, and he released the album "Soft Songs LP Aviating," so it's "Soft Songs LP Colon Aviating," and that was released on the Sugar Free label. And then the fifth and final Jack Drag album uh, is called "The Sun Inside." It was released on May, released in May of 2002 on Bittersweet Shifty Disco Records. It features. Francis Oliver on drums instead of Jason Sutter, and it features Blake Hazard on guitars, sampling, and vocals. Now, after Jack Drag was ended, Dragnetti and Hazard went on to form the band The Submarines, who have released three albums since 2006. That is the history of Jack Drag. Now, Jay, we did get some facebook feedback for this record sean michael foster who suggested the album he said a truly great record that was so unsung and if you remember that uh sean is a video was video did some video directing and he's a director and did some television directing um he said yeah, i actually got to work with them for the video promotion of this record uh, he said that jack is just fine now killing it in making music and spots Music for spots and movies. So apparently he's doing some work outside of the music industry and working in television and film. And then Chip Midnight, old friend of the show, chimed in. He said, I think I snagged this out of the dollar bin not too long ago. Haven't given it a listen, but I'll do so this week so I can play the home game of Dig Me Out. And ladies and gentlemen, the home game of Dig Me Out will be available on Mattel coming out soon. Or you get to answer trivia questions about 90s bands, and you'll be able to move little plastic Tim and Jay figures around the board and see who has the most knowledge of Dig Me Out bands. It's
1: got to come with one of those plastic cups with two dice in it. Yes. I love those.
2: Yes, it would definitely will. So one thing I want to mention about this album, and it might not be of interest to you, Jay, because I don't think that this sort of information is something you care about, but it might be interesting to some of our listeners. Dan the Automator remixed this album. Jay, do you know who Dan the Automator is? No. Okay, of course I didn't think so. so. Did you
1: hear the disgust in my voice?
2: Yeah. Dan the Automator is actually Dan Nakamura, who is a San Francisco-based hip-hop producer and he worked with a guy named Keith Thornton, or Cool Keith, and they put together an album called Dr. Octagon, which was sort of like a a really unsung 1990s hip-hop album when all the gangster rap of like Tupac and Biggie and Snoop and Dre was going on. They put together this like really loungy, like laid back, completely outside of the mainstream hip-hop album, which didn't really get anywhere until years and years later. And he's been... Dan the Automator has been a huge uh, get, I guess you'd say, in remixing uh, bands. He's worked with Primal Scream and The Eels, um, Corner Shop, John Spencer Blues Explosion. Lots of interesting, and um, in terms of the rock world. And He's also worked with like, Del the Funky, Homo Sapien, and um, a bunch of other people. Ghostface Killa. I'm just reading off the all music page right now. So anyway, you're just, you're just making stuff up, I'm just I'm just making stuff up. So that's where Dan the Automator comes in. And then I think that that's an important reference because of the nature of this album, that there's a remix element to it. Here's my question, Jay. Mm. Uh, what do you think Lay of this album? Me. Lay it on me. <laughs> I'm just going to go with the very simple. simple what did you oh, think of this record? Geez.
1: Boring. Is that really all you got?
2: Well, I, you know, when I first listened to this record, I thought uh-huh. you would hate it, <laughs> which is why, why I suggested it. Well, because it doesn't really feature a lot of electric guitar. Oh, um, what are
1: you talking about? It's got tons of guitar in it.
2: Well, it does, but it, it's very processed, it sounds like, uh, in, the, in the in a way that reminds me of, say, um, an on record or a Beck record or something like that. But then I thought you might start to appreciate the weirdness of some of the record. So where do you come down? Do you hate it or do you love it?
1: I love the sound of it. I think it's, I think it's a unique combination of, um, of tones. I, uh, I, I'm a big fan of distorted bass. I'm a big fan of fuzzed out guitars. This album has a lot of both um, mm-hmm. all over it and usually at the same time. Um, there's also some really cool vintage. Um, bass tones um, and drum sounds, roomy drum sounds. Um, so I love the sound of it. I love all the elements coming together. And I think it does sound uh, for the time uh, fairly unique. Um, although I think there was some stuff going on in the late 90s now that you know, sort of thinking about it that, that kind of did some similar things in terms of trying to capture like a 60s retro sound. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think of like fastball and smash mouth and there was a little run of bands in the early two thousands and late nineties that were kind of playing with uh some of those sounds. The for me, the it falls down though, um, in the songwriting. You know, I think there's a handful of songs in here. Um, I think there's a handful of catchy bass lines and ideas. I think what's interesting is here in the history of the band is um, You you mentioned he's gone on to do a lot of soundtrack work or or, uh, TV music work. Um, Several of these songs, they could have been in Ocean's Eleven. (laughs) Yeah. They just sort of have that, you know, there's the bongo kind of percussion in them and the fuzzy bass line and just they sound like kind of 60s pop songs uh even uh not just musically but also melody wise uh, when the vocals come in there's a couple that you know really sound like 60s pop um so i, I think there's several songs on here that they sound more just like you know beds and beds of music rather than songs um and those hold my interest for a minute or so and then i'm sort of realized they're not going to go anywhere and i kind of lose interest um but, you know, it's an interesting band. Um, I think there's a lot of, you can tell there's a lot of talent here, for sure. And I think there's some, a couple songs here where it all comes together, and, and it's pretty cool. What would you, what do you think?
2: You know, I had a hard time with this record because there's parts of it that I really like. Not that I don't like the other parts, but they're so wildly different. Mm. You know, if you put track one, Debutante, which starts out, it's it's a really bizarre beginning to the album because the first 10 seconds of the song sound like Nine Inch Nails, or like Apex like Prod- or Prodigy. Yeah. Like it has this industrial sound. Yeah, and then yeah, there's yeah. 15, sec- 15 seconds of like the Chemical Brothers. And then it goes into another part, which is like this mid tempo combo of like Beck and yeah. God Lives Underwater. these really overdriven you know, guitars but then it gets to the chorus and it's got the tambourine shaking and it's kind of poppy and they kind of follow that format for the first couple songs and then you get into like a song like Surfing the Charles which Hmm. is slower and you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of Tiara which is the Columbus band that um, some people who listen to this podcast might be familiar with but I would describe Tiara as Elliot Smith fronting Built to Spill would be a good i think especially their earlier stuff and then it goes to that to where we are which has this like organic singer-songwriter vibe with like strings and there's more vocals and then tall buildings which i really like but it sounds like velvet crush
1: I actually jotted that down as as a thought on that song
2: but yeah, yeah. it's
1: poppy, it's but the vocal kind of reminded me of, of Elliot Smith
2: and then it reverts back to this like grungy droning song with best friend and it, I, I think it the thing that just threw me was I couldn't get a consistent vibe to the record I you know I really like you know one of my I don't they're not guilty pleasure because they were never popular enough to be but you know, one of the one band that I really like from the '90s that I don't think is appreciated enough is, is God Lives Underwater, which I mentioned earlier. Their their albums Empty and, and Life in the So Called Space Age. I think those are really good electro rock records. I guess that's the only way to. There's combinations of guitars that are I guess they're probably line in because they're getting mm-hmm. that like you know completely amp free sound where it's just
1: dry you know, and direct. Dry,
2: yeah, dry and direct. Uh, and you get that on like a lot of the songs, and you get that like Beckish use of on uh, "Seem So Tired." There's these samples, I think, of extra percussion, yeah, and even the vocal delivery is kind of Beckish. chorus is like really poppy it's 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 like a john bryan song or something all of a sudden i just found myself just getting jarred a lot where i'm like oh what what's going on and the 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 shifts between the direct heavy guitar parts and then these shiny poppy 60s what you're like you're saying like ocean's 11 drum and and percussion parts it was just i liked it but it it put me off a lot
1: yeah for every part that you like there's just around the corn part that sort of don't like quite as much. Uh, seems so tired, is, it's still a little schizophrenic for me. You know, the parts are so different. And, yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think it's not just that they're different, but they're, there's moments where you have two things that are sort of derivative pushed up against each other, which makes it even stranger. You're like hearing other reference, and neither is completely unique. I guess the overall composition is unique, but the, the individual parts, you, you know, you hear other things. When you jam them together kind of just even makes it stranger mm-hmm. and, and there's a lot of throwaway stuff on here I have to say you know from I do like the song Best Friend which kind of sounded familiar to me for some reason I'm not sure why but if it wasn't a hit it, it could have been in terms of uh, obviously it wasn't a big hit but you know what I mean it could have been a, a, a 90s radio hit oh so, yeah
2: definitely more mid 90s but yeah I
0: get this feeling that we're all It's all up to you I'm farther out there Than a surfing farmer on the Got this taste in my mouth I can't refuse It dribbled down my cheek
1: Three songs after that are pretty much throwaways for me you know just experiments and just no it's not that there's not like kung fu Duh put the last song there it's got a killer drum beat
2: it's it yeah.
1: really cool and then you're just like you know it doesn't go anywhere It just that drum beat over and over again for however long
2: it's um, five it's 550 and there's no vocals until the last minute of the song it's
1: just like weird bass mm-hmm. sounds that, you know, it's th- that's how the album, you know, you got three songs of stuff like that. Even I Feel Really Okay It's just, I mean, it's basically just a bass line. Even that's a part in the lyric in the song, I, I'm paraphrasing, but it was something like, you know, I, I really like this, I, I really like this bass line and he sort of talks about like how he wrote the song and just, you know, hey, I wrote a baseline I really like and now I'm just going to play stuff over it. I, I think, like you said, the, album, the the beginning, first three songs are, schizophrenic i mean they're just like you said you go from prodigy to teenage fan club to back to more industrial sounds to oceans 11. (laughs) it's like where the hell is this going and then when you get the surfing charlie which you called out you know to me that sounds like that that to me starts to work You know, it sounds like a song, um, sounds like a band. It sounds like, uh, you know, it's got a beginning and an end, a chorus, you know, starts to make sense. Tall Buildings is a nice little pop song. Which yeah. I also, and then, like I said, Best Friend is the third song on the record that I like. So, you know, those three to me sound like, okay, you know, they're not just ideas. They're not just sketches. They're not just making sounds that are interesting. They're actually trying to put it all together in the context of a song.
2: And you know, I mentioned Dan the Automator. I'm wondering what this album sounded like pre mix, because you know, I'm wondering how much of the schizophrenia is because of the fact that it was basically a remixed album, where you know the album was done, and then he I don't know if he added percussion. I don't know if the like the crazy Beck percussion is the, what he added as the re, for the remix. Or if he just brought it up in the mix or, you know, these these little indulgences of, like, you know, what you're saying, the Ocean's Eleven, you know, percussion parts.
1: You so know. he worked on the album that we're listening to? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were saying that he took the album that we're listening to and made his own record, which we hadn't.
2: No, this is, that's that's the, the thing with this <laughs> record is that he uh, he remixed it. So... Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, well, that's probably like, so weird. <laughs> At least for me, you know what I'm trying to. Uh, the, the, the album cover, nothing about the band sort set of sets you up that you're going to be in for that kind of thing, right? You know, just like three guys in a rock band, you know. So, huh? Well, that's probably why there's these strange parts that don't quite make sense.
2: Yeah, it's you're basically listening to a remix album, and I'm that's what I'm saying. I'm like, I'm curious what the actual album sounds like because I haven't listened to any other Jack Drag. So I don't know if it's more in the vein of Tall Buildings and Surfing the Charles, where it's much more band oriented, or if they actually did experiment, you know, with loops and stuff on those other records, and this is basically them taking to another level. I don't know. We we'll get around to it at some point. So, listen to those other records.
1: So are these the, are these songs available, not remixed?
2: No, this is the album. Okay. Yeah.
1: So they've never been released any other way. The remix That's
2: version, not as far as I know. Hmm. Yeah, well, that would
1: expect a lot.
2: So it's, and I, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there is a, a, another version of this album that you can get. But as far as I know, this is the album. And uh, you know, it's it's not perfect. There's a lot of cool parts. It definitely sounds late '90s, like you said, where you're getting those influences of not just the grunge and not just the punk, but you're getting those '60s influences and. Obviously, a little bit of electronic and hip hop and and those sorts of things. So, in that way, it's it's both very pinned to that late '90s, but it also kind of sounds like I don't know. It's not as it's not as dated as I was expecting it to be. Yeah,
1: and it does a uh, it, it it conveys a vibe, mood, whatever word you want to use for that. It, you know, it, it there's something about it. You get a sense of it. Uh, terms of it being um it has like a kind of dirty lounge feel almost to it that aspect Mm -hmm. of it just totally is from the beginning to the end so there is that aspect to it i think you know the ramp your album was the same thing where i believe both of us were we reviewed that where sounds weren't quite there but it definitely conveyed uh, a sense of time place smell colors you know what i mean when you close your eyes you could you see specific things um, and that held through, it holds through through the whole record. So that, that's kind of cool. I mean, the, to be able to do anything like that, and, and, you know, actually, you know, achieve people, don't <laughs> perceive those sorts of things. That's not necessarily a failure. It's just from a song standpoint. Uh, for me, I don't quite get where it's going. So,
2: yeah. Rating this album, did you find it to be a uh, worthy album, an EP, a better EP or just a single?
1: Well, I have three songs in my life. <laughs> is that an EP?
2: That would be an EP. You 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 are surpassed. You have surpassed the uh, single. A side, B side. Yeah, you have to take it yeah, to I, uh, an EP. We
1: could take three songs, maybe throw another album track in there, and you'd have an EP for me.
2: Yeah, I'm at four songs, so I'm at an EP as well. I I, I think the the album in itself is kind of summed up by the song "Sinner's Delight." which is very schizophrenic. It's got these slow verses and then these up-tempo choruses and they don't mesh at all. And I kind of feel like that's the album in a nutshell. It's like, it's schizophrenic. Mm. I don't know I don't know what I'm going to get from part to part and I don't know what I'm going to get from song to song, but sometimes it works and most of the time it, it doesn't work for me as much as I'd like it to. Right. Um, and then as far as are there any bands that people are currently listening to that they might find their way into this record? The only band I could think of like a band like mgmt Mm. they have that like quirkiness and they combine sometimes some you know loops and stuff but with live instrumentation i don't think they're quite the right mix and i couldn't think of a lot of bands that were more indie that had this particular sound Uh, i was going back to like back and you know ones that i already mentioned um did you have any better luck
1: well I don't know if these bands sound exactly like them, but there's something about the effect that is similar, so I was thinking of bands like bells and Battles and mm-hmm. even Death From Above, 1979, where it's like a rock band sort of format-y sound, but there's like a cut and paste aspect to it. Like, yeah. You know, it's kind of like, it sounds like, you know, a rock band played and then somebody went and cut it up. Put it back together, <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, you know, I think this band, obviously, from what we just talked about uh, with the remix that happened, it has that aspect to it. Um, and and even the you know those bands tend to have you know kind of dry interface drums, uh, distortion on a lot on everything or a yeah. lot, uh, even the vocals. You know, but it's still kind of warm, uh, an analogy, not overly digital is similar in those ways to those types of bands or those types of albums
2: yeah when you mention you know like sleigh bells it makes me think of the go team which is way way more poppy i mean they're basically writing anthems on every song Mm. but i don't think it's in terms of their use of of, like sampling and stuff i don't think it's that far off from what jack drag is doing and uh, what the go team is doing
1: you know on a melodic standpoint i think we we mentioned a couple bands I can throw another one in there like not a surf is a band that you know at times when he sings melodically even hum like the not musically but vocally mm-hmm. um, i think best friend sounds a lot like you know it could be a, could have been a hum vocal those sorts of those sorts of melodies and songwriting is here and there on the record you know you you hear spots of it
2: yeah that's yeah those are good too all right, well, I think that covers Jack drag and I think we need to thank Mr. Sean Foster for bringing this to our attention. Uh, this was less successful than hum but more successful than Tuscadero so we'll put it right in the middle there because I don't think Tuscadero made it to the EP status for either of us. I don't have to go back and listen to that one but
1: you're gonna to take a do the math on his batting average
2: yeah he's, he's I think we're gonna put him at a solid 333 right now.
1: That's which, not bad. Are,
2: which is a good—that's a good average. So, you know, you put that together for ten years, you're in the Hall of Fame. Uh, he's got to keep—he's got to for every, uh, you know, Jack Drag. He's got to pop out a few more hums. So we'll see. We will see. Uh, if you like what you heard on tonight's episode, please consider leaving us some uh, positive feedback over at the iTunes. And uh, don't forget, you can always drop us a note via. Uh, our discuss comment section on our website and on our Facebook page, and shoot us a line on Twitter. Those are all available to you to communicate with us, and we do uh, enjoy communicating when we when we can.
1: <laughs> do you sound like more like a robot? We do going, enjoy. Would you enjoy human communication?
2: We enjoy communicating with the people.
1: Please use one of your communication interfaces to send us a message. Thank you.
2: Open your mouth orifice and use it to vocalize. All right. That's it. It's late. I got to get going. Thanks everybody for listening. And uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out.
0: To leave feedback? Join the conversation at digmeoutpodcast.com for links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed. While you're there, support the podcast by visiting our donation and merchandise pages. And thanks for listening.